0: Join me in Paul's letter, Apostle Paul's second letter to the churches in Corinth, this, the book of Second Corinthians, if you would. Join me there in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll be looking specifically at verses six through 15. We've been working our way through chapters eight and chapters nine over the past three weeks, and so if you're kind of new to our study, I encourage you to maybe get caught up if you'd like, and you can do that by going to the church website, clicking on resources and listening to the past couple Sundays and the messages as we've been in this study on generous giving. And so today we're going to wrap up this study, and we're going to look at verses six through 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter nine, so join me as a read. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, The point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he is decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. When our oldest son, Grant, got his first job, which is at the local Chick-fil-A here in Anderson Grant and I went to a local bank here, and we set up a bank account for him, and so when Grant would receive his paychecks from Chick-fil-A, um, he was too young to have his own account, so I had to put my name on, on the account for him or with him, and so when Grant would get his paycheck, he and I would just go to the bank, and you know, he'd deposit the check and so forth, and and we just would do that over and over and over again. And one of the things that we've tried to encourage our kids and teach our kids is to understand that what you receive has been given to you by God. And so one of the things we've tried to teach them is you know, to, to give to your church, to help your church that you're serving in and you're sharing life with. And so you know, we've tried to encourage them to, to tithe, to give 10% and, and to do that. And so Grant was pretty diligent about that early on. and. So here he is, 15, 16 years of age, if you will, and he'd get his paycheck from Chick-fil-A, and he'd go to the counter, and he'd pull out the little withdrawal or deposit slip, whatever it was, and he'd calculate whatever 10% was from what he made, and he'd withdraw that amount from his paycheck. And it was never like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 15 bucks. I mean, Grant was meticulous, making sure it was exactly 10%. So it was like $11.37, $16.28. I mean, it was always this crazy, unique, amount that he would withdraw for his for his, for his tithe to give, to give to the Lord. And so we would do that like every couple of weeks, every time he'd get paid and, and we'd get to know the different bank tellers who were in there and you'd kind of see the same ones over and over again. And about a year later, I want to say it was about a year later, we're doing the routine, we go into the bank together and he fills out his little form and 10% and it's this weird amount and he would. We went up to this bank teller who we've kind of seen over and over again. She was probably in her late twenties, early thirties, and we'd talked to her before. And but this time, she stopped Grant. She, like she walks up to the counter, and we go through the whole thing. And she says, "I got to ask a question. You come in here every time, and you get out this weird, like crazy. It's never twenty bucks. It's never thirty dollars. Never fifteen. Never ten. It's just this weird change." And she's like, why is that? It's been bothering me. Like, what in the world? What is going on? And so Grant told her. He said, well, I'm committed to giving to helping my church, and so I take out 10% of whatever God gives me, and I give it to my church. And there was silence from her. And you could see tears start to well up in her eyes. And she said, I'm absolutely blown away that you, a teenager, would take money out of what you get and give it to your church. I'm, I'm blown away by that. And little did we know that every time we were walking in there and Grant getting out little change, this crazy change, God was using his action, his act of generous giving to speak truth to that teller. To the point to where she couldn't handle it anymore. She's got to know the reason why. God was using Grant's action of generous giving to speak something into this young woman's heart. And this morning as we're going to conclude this study on this spiritual discipline of generous giving, our home base has been 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I just, I just want to affirm you as a church and your response to this study. And we've talked how sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about financial giving and giving in a church setting. But I just want to affirm you because your responses that I've heard and that I've seen to this study has not been one of stiff arm or resistance. It's been one of embracing. And I just want to affirm you in that. And I'm so thankful for you and that your heart in this is not, here we go, talking to church, talking about money, right? It's, no, God's talking about money. And how do I need to respond to something that God wants for me? And that's been more your heart. And I, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. And that that's your heart and that's your response. And so this morning we're going to just look at a few more biblical principles from these verses in chapter 9. Some pri- biblical principles behind this, this spiritual discipline of generous giving. And one of the principles that I think we see bubbling to the surface in And these verses that we just read is is this principle that generous giving brings a generous return for you and generous praise to God. That generous giving brings a generous return for you and generous praise to God. Look at what Paul says in verse 6. He says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Then go to verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. Do you kind of sense this theme? It's like abound, bountifully, and multiply, and enriched. And there's like this return. This generous return that he's saying you're going to receive from your generous giving. And, and he says it's going to produce thanksgiving to God. The end of verse 11 and the end of verse 12. And your generous giving is going to overflow in many, thanksgiving, many thanksgivings to God. In verse 13, by their approval of the service, those who are receiving your generous gift, they're going to glorify God. And so here we have this principle that your generous giving brings a generous return to you and generous praise to God. Now, what, what's the return? All right, well, what's this, this return, this harvest that we get that Paul says it's there? Well, let's first understand what he isn't saying. He's not saying that God promises that if I give God my 2005 Chevy Malibu with 100,000 miles on it, God is going to give me a harvest of Tesla's. All right, that's not what that's not what the promise is. Right? The promise isn't always that if you're generous to God, then God's just going to give you more money. That's not what he's saying here. In fact, those of us that do give, you know good and well, after you give you have less than what you started with. Right? So the promise isn't necessarily that you're going to get more stuff if you're generous. That's That's not the harvest that Paul is talking about. But Paul does say you do get a return. There is a harvest. And he tells us what the harvest is. He says, here's the return. Let me tell you what the return is that you're going to receive from your generous giving. He tells us, look at verses 10 and 11. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of what? Of your righteousness. So there's a harvest that's coming from you doing the right thing of generously giving. And what he's saying is that God is going to take your action of doing the right thing of giving generously, and he's going to multiply that action of doing the right thing, and he's going to use it to impact more people than you could ever imagine. He says he's going to multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. So it's like God saying, listen, I'm going to take that generous giving, your action of righteousness, of generously giving, I'm going to use it, I'm going to multiply it, and it's going to, I'm going to use it to impact so many people, so many different people, from your action of doing the right thing, and in this case, generously giving. But he he says there's more. He said, not only do you you receive this this, have this harvest of righteousness, but I think, too, the return is that you have the promise of God that he's going to meet your needs. He's going to supply your needs. That's what he says in verse verse 10 and 11. He says, "He he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, here's the promise, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. These are promises, Paul's saying. And God's going to enrich you in every way to be generous in every way. So what you get in return is like this promise of God. God's going to take your generous gift and he's going to use it to impact so many people. But you're also, God is going to promise to meet your needs because of your generous giving. So he's going to supply your need and he's going to enrich you in every way. Why? He tells us why. So that you can be generous. That's what he says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Listen, God is not meeting your needs so you can collect a bunch of stuff and like be on hoarders or whatever, you know, and and that's not why he's meeting your needs. He's not giving you all this stuff so you can keep collecting it. He's giving it to you so that you can keep being generous with it. And he's like, he's going to keep meeting your need, keep supplying your need so that you can continue to be generous in every way. And then Paul says there's this response that comes from your generous giving. Not only is there this harvest of righteousness from you doing the right thing, and God's going to multiply it and use it to impact many people, and not only is God promising to meet your needs when you're generous, but he says there's this response that's going to come from your generous giving. Verses 11 through 13, at the very end of 11, he says it's going to produce thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, But is also overflowing in many, what? Thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they're going to what? Glorify God. One of the returns that we receive from generous giving is God receives praise through your giving. He mentions it three times. And so there's this return, this return of your harvest of righteousness. God's going to use it to impact so many people. And you have God's promise for you that he's going to keep meeting your needs so that you can keep being generous. And the response that's going to happen from your generous giving is people are going to lift up the name of Jesus and praise Jesus. And, and he's going to receive so much praise and glory from your generous giving. And as I was looking at this and studying this this image, like, like the picture of like a water mill or water wheel, Kind of, kind of came to mind, and I remember growing up watching Little House on the Prairie. I think like Charles Ingalls, if I'm not wrong, tell me. Didn't he work at the mill, right? Okay, thank you. He worked at the mill. I don't know why that's the image that came to my mind when I was like studying this. My mind's weird. It just goes, and it's going to. I'll tell you another weirder image that came about giving in a moment. But anyway, the water wheel and all this stuff, and that came to me, and I'm like, oh wow, what a beautiful picture. It's It's like God is like pouring the water in the top of the water wheel. And then the water will collect the water. Does it hold on to it and collect it and get no, what's it do? It turns, and then as it turns, what happens? It pours the water back out. So it's like this water wheel collects the water, but its intent is to collect the water so that the water can be poured out. But the wheel starts turning. What's on inside the build? What's inside the building? Some kind of crank or something like that that's turning some kind of machine that's grinding some kind of like flour that then is like ground and made into bread and then it's put on the table at someone's home and then they sit down at the table and they eat the bread and who are they giving thanks to? all because someone's pouring water into the source, it's collecting in the water wheel, that's you and me, and the water's poured back out and God is using it to impact so many people. And that's what he's saying. He's like, listen, God's gonna produce this harvest of righteousness and and God's pouring into you so that you can pour it back out so that God can keep using it to impact so many people for his name and his glory. And then they're gonna be like, God met our need. God, you're so good. There's people right now that are being impacted by your generous giving that you don't even know. And they're giving thanks to God for what you've given. And, and I was thought, well, God, why, don't, why do not you do it this way? Why don't you just like put a check in the person's mail that needs it? Why do you want us to give and to do all this? And I really think it's because God knows, listen, I, I want this for your joy. I want it. I want to do it this way because I want it for your joy, and that kind of is going to take us into this this next principle that I think we see here. But but what this looks like for us as Living Church when you give to to Living Church, and we've got a, a meeting about going to Albania this 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 spring, and when you give to Living Church, that some of that money that you give is given to help get some of that team to. To Albania. And so not only are you impacting those going to Albania, what you're impacting are the people who are in Albania that you may never meet. But God is using your generous giving to help us get the good news of Jesus to the nations. It's that water wheel. God is pouring into you so that you can pour it back out so that he can use it to bring much glory to his name and for your joy. And I think that's what we see. If we go back and look at verse 7, we skip 7 for a reason. Paul writes, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so the second principle is generous, giving is personal, and it's joy-filled. People say, well, how much should I give? How much should I give? But my personal answer I think 10% is a great place to start personally. But each one has to decide in his heart how much to give. But if you're going to ask me, that's my answer. I think that's a really good place to start. I think we see a pattern of that in scripture. We see God commanding the tithe in the Old Testament. We don't see it commanded in the New Testament. Right? But the bottom line in all this is not so much the amount. It's the heart. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, really, it, it, you got to decide in your heart what to give. And God doesn't want you giving like, here you go, God. Sheesh. Wiping me clean, God. I mean, come on. And no, I mean, God's not going. He doesn't want that. It's not reluctantly. Here you go. What I, that's not the heart that, that, that he wants to give. But what's to say? What kind of giver does he like? He doesn't just like. He, likes a, he loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. And, and there's a great example of this in the Old Testament um, in, in Chronicles. First Chronicles 29. And, and you see the, the passage on the screen. The people were coming to the temple and they were giving freely and giving generously to, to meet some of the needs of the temple. And it says the people rejoiced. And the next word is huge. Why did they rejoice? Because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced Greatly, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord, and they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness, and the joy came in response to their giving. Some are waiting for the joy to come before they give. God's going, eh, eh. that's not how it works. You give, and the joy is a response from the giving. And that, that that's what we see. He's saying, God loves a cheerful giver. A joyful, we get our word hilarious from that word cheerful. You ever been with, with friends, you're just dying, I mean, you're just hilarious. Like, and you're just laughing. So it's just so much fun being with people, and you're just laughing, having a great time. That's kind of the feeling God wants you to have when you give. And so I'm thinking about this. Here's another crazy image that came to mind. I'm like, what if we saw giving like riding a roller coaster at King's Island? I don't know where these things, right? But I'm just sitting there studying this like, what if we, just imagine, go with me on this for a moment. I mean, so you're waiting in line at the offering box. You cannot wait to give. You're just so, you can't wait. It doesn't matter if the line is three hours. You're just waiting in line, having a great time with your family and friends in line. And you want the full experience of giving, so you're going to get in the front car. You get in the front car of generous giving. This roller coaster called generous giving. You get in the front car, and then you take off. Hands are up. You're pumped. You cannot wait to experience everything that God has for you when you generously give. And so you take off, and you're going up the hill. Kind of scary, right? Maybe your hands want to go on the bar. You're like, I'm not sure, God. How are you going to provide? I'm not sure, but I want the full experience, God. And so hands are up, and then you're going down the hill, and you're going like this. And you're like, wow, you're screaming. Right? And then like you're going so fast and you're looking at the person next to you and, like spit comes out of your mouth it gets on them. And you're like, is that awesome? And you're like so excited. I mean, you're pumped. You just cannot. W- it's an experience. And you're so excited. And then you get off on the roll off the roller coaster. You're like, dude, that was a blast. Let's go again. And so you get back in line, you ride it again. And I, I just, I just wonder if that's a little bit of what God wants for us when it comes to giving. And how he wants us to see giving. Not as a drudgery, not as reluctant, but as this fun opportunity that we get that's filled with joy to see how God is gonna take our generous giving and use it to impact so many people in the kingdom. So people can hear how good Jesus is. Because he says, I love a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. God loves it when you and I give in a way that brings joy. So how much do I give? Just give an amount that brings you joy. Just give an amount that brings you joy, that makes you cheerful to give. Because that's what he he loves. He loves a cheerful giver. And the third and final observation I think we see here principle is this generous giving puts the indescribable gift of Jesus on display. Verses 13 through 15. Paul says, by their approval of this service, they're going to glorify God. Why? Because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. So he's saying these people are going to glorify God through your generous giving. Why? Because of your submission, your willingness to be obedient to the gospel. So he's saying, actually, your generous giving reflects and puts on display this glorious good news of Jesus. Because that's why you're giving. Your motivated motivation for giving comes from the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all your sins and giving you all, making you an heir of the kingdom. And it's and you think that's on display when you give. And verse fourteen, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then he says, "Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift." It's as if Paul's reminding them, "Listen, generous giving." The motivation for generous giving is not your budget. It's Jesus. It's Him. It's the gospel. It's the fact that the Father loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus said. And and Paul says, thanks be to God for God's inexpressible gift. Well, what's God's inexpressible gift? His son, to you and to me. And he's saying when you give, you are putting the glorious, indescribable love of Jesus on display. And listen, if, if you're struggling with giving and and you're struggling with, with giving generously, stop looking at your money. Start looking at Jesus. Generous giving doesn't start with looking at your budget. It starts with looking at Jesus and all you've been given in him. That's where it starts. And that's what Paul's been trying to communicate to, to these churches. That's where, that's where it comes from. Your motivation is not, I'm going to give because, out of obligation or to try to earn God's love. No, we give because God has already fully loved us in Jesus Christ. And so when we get a hold of that reality, how can we not give? How can we not? And so if you want to live your life in a way that brings glory and thanksgiving to God, give. And give generously. And give an amount that brings you joy. You know, that there was something about Grant's action of generous giving that God used to speak powerfully to that bank teller. And I think it got to a point she couldn't explain it. What is it? And why, why does that happen when somebody's moved to tears like that? Right? When, and maybe someone prays over, over someone that's not a follower of Jesus, and that fo- not, they're not a follower of Jesus, and they start crying. Why is that when someone's praying like, why, why, why is that the response? I think it's because simply and that Teller is overwhelmed by this. Why? Because I think in a powerful way, God is using this generous act of generous giving to speak truth to her and to help her see the love, the glorious, indescribable love of Jesus that he has for her. And God will put that on display even through our giving. Even through our giving. So what now? How do we respond? I think the response is simple, really. Simple in stating, difficult to do. And it's just to give. To give and to give generously. And many of you are, hear me on that, many of you are. And when you start giving and you start giving generously, you become like a generous junkie. It, it, to where you're like, dude, I, I gotta do this more. This is so cool how God did this. And God's saying, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not wanting this for you just because I'm up there going cracking the whip. He's like, I want this for you because there's a joy that comes from it for you. I want this for you. And as you give, not only do you receive joy, but I receive the glory. It's worthy of our, of our praise, even in our giving. And so the challenge is simply pour out what God pours in. And what's that look like for you guys? What's that look like for you? You have to decide in your heart what's that look like? And again, if you're struggling with this, I, I understand, but maybe we need to stop looking at our money and stop looking at our budget and get our gaze more on Jesus. And kids, let me talk to you just briefly. I want to encourage you to understand that when you give, it's fun. It's fun to give. It's a blast. And so maybe go home today and talk to mom or dad and say, oh, hey, I, I want to give. I, I want to ride that roller coaster of giving. And I want to experience what God has for me in that. So what can I do? Help me. I want to encourage you kids to, to start thinking that way. Because when you give, you're showing the love of Jesus, putting the love to Jesus on display. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're sensing that tension right now about this whole giving and money and all that. Maybe, I, I understand But let me just say to you, if you're here and not a follower of Jesus, that you have a God who generously loves you. And he has generously poured out his love on you by giving the gift of his son for you on the cross. And by his son's death on that cross and his son's bleeding out on that cross, he took the punishment that you and I deserve for our sins. That's how much he loves you, so that you don't have to experience that. And he says, if you just will surrender your life and your heart and all that you are to Jesus and put your trust and in life into the life of Jesus, he says he'll forgive you and bring you into a forever relationship with him. That's a generous God that we have that generously loves you. So I want to challenge you this morning, encourage you if you're not here or you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus to just, what's keeping you from surrendering your heart to Jesus this morning? Why not? He loves you. Jesus said this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so all this that we hear about, all these principles about giving, and God says it's for your joy. It's for your joy. And as we give, God in his grace pours joy into our hearts and thanksgiving to him. Let's pray.